Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And hello, everybody. I hope you're having a great day, morning, night, whatever time it is. You all are in for a pop treat. We're talking all things pop culture, marketing, and communications with Brianne Fleming, who is a specialist in marketing communications and even teaching on a cool class about social media and all that stuff. And so she breaks down how she started her Twitter chat, pop chat, along with what she's loving from brands that they're doing with social media and how we all have to just embrace our cringe. So if you're interested in any of those three, social media, pop culture, or starting a Twitter chat, you've come to the right place. So grab a snack, sit tight, and let's go. Brianne, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to do this. I, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what the age requirement is to be a young, influential. I think I'm pushing it a little bit, but we'll go with it. <laughs> you, you, you and me both. Look, we moisturize. You yes. know, nobody has to know. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. But to kick it off, we always ask the same question. Um, what does the term a young, influential mean to you? Oh, wow. Uh, well, I think to be a young, influential and to have influence in the young stage of your life. I think it means that you're not afraid of what other people think. You're focused on what it is that you want to do and how you want to use your platform. And a lot of times we have things in our heart and things that we want to share and things that we know that can influence others and and make a difference in the world. But a lot of times we tell ourselves it's not good enough to share, or maybe we need more experience before we can put this thing out into the world. So I think young is really a key word here to have that that wisdom early on and to be unapologetic about whatever it is that you want to share and put out into the world and have influence in your own way is really powerful. Now you're making us cry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I didn't expect to get this deep on the first question. Usually an icebreaker is like, I don't know, pancakes or waffles, but. (laughs) I mean, like, usually people have given this like, oh, it's someone who's young and influential or like a very businessy answer. Yours is all deep, making me think like, dang, I need to stop questioning myself and just post my content. Yes, (laughs) exactly. That's what I think. (laughs) 
I was Pilates this morning. You know, I'm kind of in like a very, I'm very clear headed. So I'm, I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm like, you're ready, having us all cry before we get started. (laughs) Goodness. But I mean, if you want a fun icebreaker, we did have a debate like a while back about if you drink this milk in your cereal after you eat it. Oh yeah, I do that. Sugar water. Okay, I feel like it, there was like two of us who were like, no, it doesn't work. And my theory is it feels like you're drinking like your cereal's feces. I know that's really oh my. Graphic, but yeah. that's how it feels. That's how it feels. It's like the cereal's bath water. That's how I picture it. So it's like I can't go the direction, but that's what I think of. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, especially with like, cocoa puffs or any chocolate flavored cereal is just chocolate milk at the end you can't let that go to waste I just I don't know like we because me and Michael we were saying that we we're lucky charms people so we were like oh lucky charms and they're like oh you guys don't want that and we're like no and then everybody was like oh what about like Cheerios and I think somebody said honey bunches but some other like random cereals and I'm just like no <laughs> it doesn't work it doesn't work oh boy maybe it's a no for us <laughs> But before we get into like all this cool stuff you do, um, we know you're a huge pop culture lover as we are on this show as well. So like, how did pop culture like shape your upbringing? Like, was it something you were always into? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely credit pop culture for leading me down this path and being interested in in marketing and communications and content in general. I always say the Backstreet Boys taught me about brand loyalty because even at a young age, I knew I was loyal to them. But I I grew up, you know, I would take my $20 allowance, go to the mall, and I would buy a CD, whoever was the, the flavor of the month at that time. And then with a few dollars I had left over, I would buy a magazine like Tiger B, Teen B, Bop, J14. J14. That was my life. And, (laughs) you know, I realized that I, you know, yes, I was hanging the posters up on my wall and doing all of that. But I also was really fascinated by all aspects of these magazines from the layouts to uh, the the ads, even the photography, the um, the copy and the way things were written, I realized that I was consuming these a little bit differently than my peers. And looking back, I realized that that's what shaped my career and led me to um, pursue journalism. And I later ended up uh, switching my major to advertising and PR, but just always being interested in creative things and putting putting content out in the world, whether it's print or now digital, it definitely, um, you know, forged my path. No, that's so true, because I feel like I'm the same way, like watching shows like Laguna Beach and the Hills and stuff and like Lizzie McGuire and all that made me want to get into like the entertainment realm and study communications. And I also was that person who still to this day, I'll watch a commercial and I'll be like, now, why did they use that song and that music? Like, <laughs> why did that come? People would be like, it's just a trident ad. And I'll be like, no, <laughs> there's a reason why they did it that way. I must know. Yes. It, it seems like, you know, we're both in the right place. It makes sense that you work for Adweek now if you geek out over ads like that. So 
yeah, no shame. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, yeah, huge marketing. And I love how like we both work in the communication realm. And I don't know about you, but I'm still a sucker for packaging. It could be the worst product in the world, but if it's a glass bottle or something, yeah. like I fall right into that trap. And I know that's what we do to get people to buy it, but I fall into it. Oh, yes. That's like, that's like all Victoria's Secret Pink was, was just hypnotizing us with like pretty colors and cute packaging and nice smells and yeah <laughs> i totally get that i'm sucking the choke hold that that bombshell candle had on oh. everyone <laughs> yeah. yeah man yeah it's so true such uh, consumers <laughs> so like i know you talked about it a little bit but like what did you study in school like after you like inspired by pop culture like you said you did like pr and comms and that later led to like doing what types of internships yeah. So I started off as a journalism major, which I thought I just wanted to write. I was like, that's it. I like writing. All I want to do is write. Um, but I I realized that I I enjoyed creativity beyond just, just writing. And I remember taking an intro to news reporting class and one of our assignments was that we had to write an obituary, oh which was interesting. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then our, my teacher kept telling us, you know, when you're a journalist, you have to really investigate and be willing to ask the hard questions. And she was teaching us how to kind of get in there, you know, even if someone has suffered a loss or there's a really tragic story, like it's your responsibility to, to get all the information to the people and communicate it. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely important. I just don't know if that's for me and my personality. So uh, yeah, I switched to advertising and PR. I did uh, promotions for a radio station, but I spent the majority of my time working on campus at our uh, on-campus rec center, uh, marketing our fitness programs, intramural sports. We had an aquatics program uh, at the University of, of uh, Central Florida. So it was fun. I got to to market the gym and um, hang out in a gym all day and... and um, it was a really great experience. I even had my own staff. I got a lot of really great leadership experience there because we had so many programs and things to promote and a huge student body. So um, yeah, and after that, I ended up working in fitness marketing again later on in my career. So it really came full circle. Oh, well, and UCF has such a beautiful campus, by the way, just putting that out there, <laughs> like, such a beautiful campus. Like. Yes, it's so funny. So when I took that job, they were remodeling part of the rec center. So my desk was actually out by the pool and my desk would overlook the leisure pool and I would see people come in, you know, at like, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, ready to jump in the pool and sunbathe and study by the pool. And I was working. So that was hard. But yes, gorgeous pool on campus, very kind of tropical and, and fun. Gotta love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah. now it's 2022. Can you tell our listeners, what are you up to now? What's, what does she do in her realm? Yeah. <laughs> so, after, so I, I did decide to uh, climb a corporate ladder a bit, again, doing fitness marketing. I did um, in-house brand management um, for a, a pretty well-known fitness brand. And while I was doing that, I decided to go back to school and get my master's at the University of Florida, uh, where I now actually teach in the program. I teach branding using social media, and I also have a brand new course called Social Media and Pop Culture, which is all about newsjacking and, and memes and all the things, you know, when it comes to having to be reactive on social media. Um, and 
yeah. So I teach online and then in my time when I'm not teaching, I'm also <laughs> hosting a podcast called Making the Brand. I run a Twitter chat called Pop Chat. And I'm just trying to create my own little community of fellow marketers and pop culture lovers. First of all, your classes make me want to go back to school, like <laughs> along with that Taylor Swift class. At Come on down. I think it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you touched on a really cool point. Like um, you, you brought up like Pop Chat, your show that you the um, uh, chat that you do on Twitter and stuff. Can you kind of talk about like where that idea came from, um, like for that concept? Yes, I would love to. So I was kind of a late, um, late bloomer when it came to Twitter. Um, I guess you could say I didn't really get into it until the fall of 2019. And then of course, in the pandemic, I really turned to it. And I learned about the concept of Twitter chats and Adweek chat is one that I love. And I wanted to theme one that was genuinely the chat that I would want to participate in. So knowing that I love pop culture, knowing that I love marketing, I decided to combine the two and created Pop Chat, which is a discussion about marketing lessons from the week's pop culture trends. Uh, I started it all on a whim. I got the idea for it and launched it in the same day because oh I have God. that chaotic energy. I'm like, let me just... <laughs> You know, I have an idea today. Let me just put it out there with no promo, just, you know, <laughs> putting this out there so randomly. And only four people joined the first time. Uh, this was in January 2020. And um, yeah, it's grown into this really fun community. And I think what's special about it is, yes, you know, the majority of the people who join are marketing professionals, but we've had the chance to bond over other things we love in pop culture, music, movies, sports, TV. So we've really gotten to know each other. And it's also launched into monthly uh, Zoom happy hours where we all get to get together. I have a merch store. I've worked with some sponsors and we do giveaways. So it's uh, it's been really wonderful to connect with people um, who also <laughs> wanted to talk about the same things I did. No, I love the one you did uh, when JLo announced like her wedding. You were like, and how you compared that to, I forgot the exact um, phrase you used, but it, I was like, whoa, like that's so cool how she like picked it up with like how JLo told us all that she was married. You brought up how like she did it in the newsletter compared to something else. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I think what's cool is it's like a lot of times, I guess, marketers and people in the communications, like we have these. A lot of times we kind of feel isolated with the like within ourselves and like how you're doing this online. You're opening it up to so many other people and kind of really using what social media is for, like to build a community and like talk to like-minded people and kind of build friendships from that, which is, I feel like kind of dying a little bit. And since the pandemic, we're all trying to find new ways to connect both like online and in person. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's just such a cool way of kind of like opening up the floodgates again. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, one thing I've realized is that it's not just big brands that do great marketing. I mean, they they do, but it's also people like JLo, who is masterful, um, but it's also albums and tours and movies and um, sports games and everything that needs to be um, promoted as well. So there are things to discuss there too. So I've just, I've had a blast um, sharing it with people and I'm just thrilled that um, people love being a part of it too. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, and I feel like, yeah, like I feel like now, like we're seeing kind of the new marketing kind of shift where it seems more personal, like how, like the, te- how they're like, we're done doing like the text blast and we're doing, um, like the uh what's that channel called there's like uh, what's that disc like discord chan- uh, mm-hmm. channels and stuff like that where we're trying to kind of make it personal again and i feel like things like this are really cool and it also speaks to like how brands are really trying to like hone in and make it more personal and make it seem like they're just talking to you versus how marketing a lot of times can feel like they're just like throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks and seeing who's interested. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I've learned in that regard and and doing pop chat is to look for ways to make your audience feel like they're participating in something and make them feel included Um, instead of just, you know, being the brand talking to them, you want them to talk back to you. And I think that's what makes pop chat so special is that it's an open-ended conversation. It's not just me sharing my love of pop culture, but the value is I get to hear from all of these people who love the same things I do. And it's even more special when they communicate when I'm not in the room, so to speak. Um, and they form their own little friendships and help each other and uh, network and find jobs and collaborate. It's just, it, it really means a lot to me that we're all kind of participating and engaging together. And have you seen any, have you guys done any, um, I know like Twitter spaces is like a new thing and we're now seeing where Twitter is now trying to move into like the podcast room or something like that. So yeah. like, <clears throat> are you seeing like success of like wanting to do more of that thing where it's like, you're kind of putting faces to the names also? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's really what the zoom happy hours have done. I, I thought that they would initially just be kind of a, a pandemic thing. <laughs> um, but, but the way that I, I do the happy hours is I invite someone from the pop chat community to come and do kind of an informal PowerPoint presentation about something somewhat marketing related, but you know, we get a little off the rails sometimes there at <laughs> night, there's cocktails flowing and, um, yeah. And it's great to put faces to the the names and to the Twitter handles. And I think it still works even somewhat post pandemic because just geographically we're so spread out and we're forming these friendships and we want to see each other and laugh and, and hang out for a few hours. So um, it's, it's really surprised me that they've kept going, you know, two plus years later. And have you done any like in-person type like events with those who are like local around in your area? Cause I know, 
now now brands are trying to do like in-person activations like cross country to really connect with people more like i love experiential marketing like that's a whole other rabbit hole i can get down but like how like netflix did the bridgerton ball and like how other companies are like doing pop-ups around in different cities to kind of have the community like not just connect with their consumers but like also get to know who else in their city and around them is in the same community yeah, that's really the goal. I mean, I've I've met a lot of people individually and at conferences and things, but I have yet to organize like a dedicated pop chat in-person event. But I did have some friends that went to um, HubSpot's inbound conference recently. And my friend Saima, who I have met personally, said uh, she tweeted out that she was talking to a bunch of people at the conference and um, someone came up to her and said, oh, I know you guys, you're the pop chat crew. And that just made me smile from afar. I wasn't there, but people recognize them as being part of the pop chat crew. And I thought that was really sweet and, uh, special made me smile. (laughs) So cool. Yeah. And, uh, like moving from a brand perspective, like, do you feel like there's something that brands aren't doing right now or could be doing more to kind of create that personal touch with, their consumers and users more like I know a lot of them are now doing like the live videos or the pop-ups but do you feel like in terms of like communicating do you think they could be doing something more like on social media yeah I mean I'll tell you a, a pet peeve of mine that I, I see <laughs> brands do um because my initial thought with that is more user-generated content I mean that's really what pop chat is is people sharing their own thoughts and perspectives and commenting and and sharing um And brands are using user-generated content too, but I've seen brands like just kind of reshare UGC without first kind of thanking that person for tagging them or like just having like a quick little sidebar, like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for this piece of content. Do you mind if we reshare? And I know that tagging them kind of implies like, okay, they might repost it, but I feel like that's such a missed opportunity to, again, make that person who tagged you feel special, make them feel like it actually was seen. Like they're not just a dollar sign and a piece of content that's going to help them, you know, keep their channels up to date. And I think if you incorporate that personal touch a little bit more and at least just DM someone and say, thank you so much for sharing this with us, we're going to repost it. I also think that will inspire them to keep sharing again. It feels a little slimy to me when brands just kind of take UGC and don't try to build on the relationship. They just kind of use it to to market. So I'd love to see more personalization and relationship building around UGC. I think that's crucial. No, that's so true because I hate whenever I see like just like a general repost where I'm like, you guys going to, I don't know, say like, oh, we love her in our jeans or we love that he's like wearing proposed using our ring or something. It's like, don't just yeah. like repost it and put it in their story. Like say something. <laughs> like, yes. Add, add some context or, you know, when a brand will reshare someone's tweet and, you know, you didn't even know they were going to do that. They just like repurpose your tweet and they don't give you the heads up. I just feel like one, it's the courteous thing to do, but it's also just so beneficial to build relationships and inspire that person to keep creating for you and keep sharing UGC. So I know brands are juggling a lot (laughs) and DMing every single person who gives them some UGC is a tall order, but I think it goes a long way. No, like I definitely like, like for instance, like one of my favorite bakeries here, like I always tag them even like, even when I'm not there or I'll comment all the time and they always, 
they always comment back or they always will like just like heart the story if I tag them. And it's like, like you said, like that little thing that they do, like whenever brands do that can make somebody's day or whatever. I know like for me, I'm yeah. just like, uh, I've made it. I feel like <laughs> so you can't yes. tell anything the rest of the day. <laughs> it's a public service. You know, I, I haven't really been posting on Instagram as much lately, but if I do have a great experience or if there is a small business that I really love, I'll reshare it. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like I'm on Instagram more to <laughs> the brands than to, than to show cool uh, things to my friends and people I, act, I actually know. But um, yeah, it does make a difference. And speaking of social media, like, do you have, do you have like a favorite platform right now? Like I know with a lot of guests we've talked about, like Reels versus TikTok versus like which platform you use best. Like, do you have like a favorite one that you're seeing like brands utilize more? Like I know there's like a, been a big um, like fuss about like brands who are just jumping on these like TikTok trends or whatever and not yeah. really knowing the context or like kind of just like forcing their ways in. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot of chatter around YouTube right now, especially with YouTube shorts and, you know, and for individual creators, I know that Twitch and TikTok um, don't have as great of a deal as, as YouTube does. Um, but speaking of that, a, a recent pop chat sponsor, um, a brand called Attentive said that they're doubling down on YouTube right now. I personally am thinking to myself, okay, all of my podcasts should also be YouTube videos. All of my blog posts should be YouTube videos. And like you said before, I think showing up and having people see your face and hear your voice at the same time is, is really powerful. TikTok does the same thing, but for me, I'm, I'm, I have my eye on YouTube a little bit lately. <laughs> oh, man, like, I know everybody keeps saying this, like, oh, like, start putting your podcast and stuff on YouTube. And I'm like, oh. I mean, I love YouTube. Like, I feel like a lot of the creators and stuff I, that I still follow, like, I'll watch their stuff on Instagram and TikTok. But I'm still an OG one where, I, like, I have to watch, like, Jacqueline Hill, Kathleen Lights, and all of them on YouTube and all yeah. that. And I, I agree with that. It's just, like, YouTube shorts I'm still trying to, like, kind of confused about. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to use it, but no, I, I agree. I think it probably like next year we'll probably start seeing more brands and stuff probably utilize YouTube shorts because YouTube, I feel like does a really good job of like kind of helping creators and giving you the tools that you need to kind of get set up. Yeah. And I did read that um, research is showing that a lot of people are watching YouTube videos um, with the playback speed increased. Oh. And I think <laughs> it just, yeah. So everyone's sounding like chipmunks during their, during their videos, but you know, I think it's just proof that attention is scarce, that we need to get to the point faster. And that's why short form has really taken off. But I think that's also something we can keep in mind when we're creating YouTube videos is to just be be direct, give people the information that they that they want and they're looking for. And, you know, if they need to breeze through it and, and speed it up or cut to a different chapter to get to what they need, that's fine. That, I mean, that works. Your video is still helpful and resourceful to them. Yeah, that's one thing I like to see whenever videos do like the chapter marks at the bottom where they're like yeah. seven whatever for uh, the Christmas haul or like 20 minutes in for why I stopped drinking oat milk, stuff like that. I feel like, that, <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's key because I feel like the whole debate now is like, oh, like short form, short form. So people are just like copying and pasting the content on the same platform. And it's like, no, like it's all about just making sure whatever, however long that is that you're putting the most important vital information in it, not just mm -hmm. cutting it randomly. Cause I, a lot of times like we'll see brands and stuff like cut a trailer of a movie or something, and just put like a random clip on TikTok and then another random one on Instagram. And it's like, 
you first of all like that doesn't make any sense and second of all like there's different audiences on each platform so like one clip might not do as well on the other one so it's like it's best to know the platforms and then also who your audience is and then like what's important yeah i mean i think the the common thread here is that people are loving video so if your brand isn't showing up on video i think it's a uh, something to prioritize for sure amen to that like I don't want to see just another random static image. Like I need to see someone using that new eye cream. Like, does that eye cream really work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Demonstrate. Like, I, I need to see it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And then for my last question, like what advice do you have for someone who's like, Ooh, girl, love what you're talking about. But like, I only have 20 uh, Twitter followers or I only have like four people who follow my like page and I want to start something like this to build community. Like mm -hmm. what should they do first? Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I've been there. <laughs> I will tell you that we all start at zero. When I started pop chat, I had about 400 followers and I remember reading an article like, you know, how to start a Twitter chat <laughs> and, and um, you know, they recommend you, you have at least 5,000 or 6,000 followers before you even start one. And I just ignored that. And yes, only four people joined the first time, but those four people still engaged. And because they engage people in their feed probably saw them replying and everything is just a snowball effect. So I would say, don't be afraid to talk to an empty room. I think it's a, a common misconception that you have to get to a certain point before you start putting out great content, but it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to start putting out great content and do that right off the bat to start attracting those people. And it's, it's usually a slow build or a long game, but again, everyone starts at zero. So just, just go for it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times, like we're trying, like when we're starting out, we compare our start to like someone else's like 100th video or 1000th chat or whatever. And it's like, everybody hates their first chat first, whatever. Like you can't, oh, yeah. you have to just start and it's going to improve as you go. You can't just, be like, oh, I'll start when I have 10,000 followers or when I have whatever, yeah. whatever. Like, how are you going to get those? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you got to start. start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like Taylor Swift always says, you know, you have to embrace cringe. We all have to have something that we look back on and, and cringe years later, but that means you're getting better and you're growing and you actually took action and, and built something. So we're all cringe. Just <laughs> join us, will you? <laughs> we're all Taylor Swift on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, exactly. But thank you so much for giving all this insight and just all this helpful tips. Now I feel like I need to start my like little Twitter space. Yes, please do. <laughs> Is it going to be about skincare and, and all the things? Maybe? You know, I should. How to stay young influentials, you know, how to keep the skin young. It's a spinoff series. You I know, I like, I like where you're going with this. You know, I like this. Let's, let's workshop this. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. We will. We will. Thank you, Colin. This was this was a blast. And um, I'm really happy. I've never really spoken about pop chat and really explained the, the story behind it like this. So I appreciate the platform. Yes. And we can't wait to have you back soon. <laughs> yes. Sounds good. Anytime. Wow. How great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody.
Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.